Good morning. It's good to be here today. It's good to have, it's lovely, I said it last time I was here, it's lovely cool in here, isn't it? I hope, I, the heating works, isn't it, in the winter, from what I can remember. It's warm in here in the winter and cool in the summer, and that's lovely. I remember, today's Father's Day, I remember saying to my dad one day, many years ago when I was a kid, on one Father's Day, when is it going to be Children's Day? <laughs> which he replied, and I won't say exactly the words that he said, because I'm in church, but he turned around and said, every day is Children's Day. But today we celebrate Father's Day, and it's a day when all over the world, fathers are celebrated and given thanks for. And if, like me, your father has died, today is a day when you remember your dad. So I've got some photos to show you this morning. Yeah, that's the first one. I don't know who that chubby little blonde boy is. I think it might be me. And uh, this is my dad doing his catalogue pose behind the swing, the, the slide there. And uh, yes, I did have blonde hair when I was little, believe it or not. So did my both children, white blonde hair they had. But that's me. I don't know when I is. I can't remember that photo. I must have been, I don't know, what, my three, two, three, something like that. I think my sister is being squashed behind me somewhere, uh, but that's me and uh, my dad. The next one, that's on some... See, these photos age me, it does that. that, that you look at the cars, you look at the kind of the filters on the photos, it ages me as well. Um, I don't know what I'm looking so inquisitive at. I think my dad is probably rolling a cigarette, actually. And for some reason, I'm intrigued by his rolling of a cigarette. Uh, my dad was a bit of a teddy boy, as you can see, with the quiff and the uh, the sideburns. I always wanted to be a teddy boy. Um, but in the next photo, there we are. That's me and my dad. My dad was the bandmaster in the scout marching band that I was part of. Uh, when he lived, when we lived in Swansea, when my, before they had kids, my dad was huge into the marching bands in Swansea and would be the bandmaster with the mace and would toss it over a bridge and catch it the other side and all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and so we start, Dad started a marching band and I became one of the, the drummers in that. And uh, for years I had that photo when I was in school in Woodwork. I made the obligatory photo frame, which I think they've been doing since about 1892 in schools, I think. And that photo was in there I always remember looking at that photo after my dad had died and thinking, oh, that's a lovely photo. Much better than scouts today, because they, they look scruffy today. The, the, the neckerchiefs and the woggles are all down here, but that's, when, that's in the proper days of scouting, uh, that is. I find today a mixed day. Uh, as I miss my dad. But I also celebrate with Kezia and Reuben, as I'm their dad, although I had to remind them this morning that it was Father's Day. <laughs> Reuben came into my office this morning as I was doing my final preparations, as I do on a Sunday morning, and uh, he said, good morning, and I said, anything else to say? He said, did you sleep well? I said, no, is there anything else to say of today? Oh, yes, happy Father's Day. So I'm glad it's not passed you by, so I feel so special today, that's great. Yesterday, Ruben and I went to Motorfest in Chelmsford, and uh, we had a great day, and it was 
so much fun, and I loved just being out, me and my boy. And it was great. For me, being a dad is it's just wonderful. I really enjoy being around my kids, doing things that bless my kids. Not spoil, but bless my kids. And recently, as a family, uh, we bought a swimming pool. And I don't mean a paddling pool. I mean an above-ground, steel-framed, 12-foot, one-metre-deep swimming pool. And uh, thankfully, the manse is not on a, a, a water meter. But... Um, <laughs> So it's filled and it, it's, it's got a solar cover and it's so warm. It is lovely. To the, to the point where last week, before our evening, before tea, we, we all went for a little swim in this pool every evening. And it was just gorgeous. If anything, it was too warm. It was about 33 degrees in the water. And it was just lovely. And it's great. But what I love more about it is seeing the joy it brings my kids. It's seeing Kezia and Ruben. And we got it because Kezia's, as you know, she's unwell. So it's, it's just something different that she can do uh, of a day. It's a blessing uh, to be a dad. To be able to do things that they enjoy. And I do those things because I love them. For you, today maybe is a day of celebration. Maybe, uh, I'm looking around the room, maybe your adult children... Uh, I think I'm right in saying that for all of us, apart from me, uh, because I came to parent in later, plus I'm younger than you as well. But maybe your adult children are seeing you later, and you're looking forward to them paying for the meal for once, as opposed to you paying for it. Maybe, I don't know, you saw them yesterday. Maybe you enjoyed Father's Day as a granddad, and you realise that actually, that's even better, possibly, than being a dad, because you get the best bits, and then they go home don't they? And when they're tired and they're high on sugar, it's their parents' job to sort it out because you've said goodnight to them at that point. Maybe today is a sad day because you remember your own father and he's no longer alive. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your dad. Maybe you never knew your dad. Maybe one of your children has died and today highlights that pain. Maybe you've never got to be a dad, and so today is a day always tinged with sadness, even regret. However we come to today, we cannot deny or escape the fact that it's Father's Day. That day where shops sell overpriced cards and restaurants double the price of a simple meal and all of that kind of stuff. But today, I'm not a cynic, but today is Father's Day. Now the origin of Father's Day apparently is not definitive. There's a few ideas of why we celebrate Father's Day. For centuries, the Eastern Orthodox Church has appointed the second Sunday before Nativity, that is, the second Sunday before Christmas Day, as the Sunday of the forefathers to commemorate the human ancestors of Christ, starting with Adam and emphasizing the patriarch Adam, Abraham, who, to whom God said, and through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. It's also a customary day for the celebration of fatherhood in Catholic Europe. And it's known to date back to at least 1508. It's usually celebrated not in June, but on the 19th of March as the feast day of St. Joseph, who is referred to as the fatherly nutritor domini, nourisher of the Lord. 
in Catholicism and the putative father of Jesus in Southern European tradition, which just basically means Joseph was commonly accepted as Jesus' death. People talked about whether to formalise a celebration of this day for centuries. And then in 1908, Grace Golden Clayton proposed a day to honour those men who had died in a mining accident in America. And it wasn't accepted then, but the following year, in 1909, Sonara Smart Dodd, who along with her five brothers, was brought up by her dad alone, after attending a Mother's Day service in church, convinced the Spokane Ministerial Association to celebrate Father's Day worldwide. And here we are, 114 years later, on the 18th of June, 2023, and we celebrate Father's Day. And this morning, I want us to think about (coughs) Father's Day in relation to God as we think about the Father heart of God. You see, God is... God is many things, but one of the, the, the huge, the main aspects of God that we cannot escape is his fatherhood. We read in 1 John 3, See what a great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. In Ephesians we read, How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is, he is the Father of our Master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning Paul says to the Galatians, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then in John's Gospel we read, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There are, there are many other Bible passages that speak of God as Father and us as children of Father God. We even start the Lord's Prayer with our Father. You see, when we truly realise that God sees us as his daughter or his son, it totally changes the way we relate to him. It's hard to have a deep relationship with him if you don't see yourself as a daughter or a son. Living in the truth of childrenship to God is so powerful. And so today, we, regardless of our human fatherly situations, we can still celebrate today as we remember and give thanks for the father heart of God. And it's right to do that. Because I think it's easy to see God as this as this big God of the universe. It's easy to see God as the Father of Jesus. It's easy to speak about God as Father. But that doesn't mean we truly live in a father-child understanding when it comes to our relationship with God. And all, and we, all too often we relate our understanding of what it means for God to be Father 
but our understanding and experiences of fatherhood in the earthly sense. And that's, that's a mistake, because not only are all human fathers flawed, but we may have had a, a difficult relationship with our human fathers, or no relationship at all. And so we can be in danger then of transferring that understanding and experience of fatherhood onto God when nothing could be further from the truth. For God is very much a perfect father. So when we think about the father heart of God, this is far greater and deeper than the father heart of human fathers, even if they were wonderful, wonderful dads. And so this morning, to think about the father heart of God, I want us to read a well-known passage from the Bible. So instead of simply theory, we see the father heart of God in action. And it's a prodigal son seen in Luke 50. Jesus has been teaching about how God always cares for the lost. He's spoken about the lost sheep. He's the lost coin. And then we read in Luke chapter 15. To illustrate the point further. And that's Luke 5, that is, I think. Don't worry. I've got a boomy voice. You can still hear. That's okay. (laughs) To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. I I want to pause there and explore what's, what's going on here. You're probably aware of the culture of Jesus' day. The father was the head of the household. He, he was in charge. The custom of the, of the day was actually, once he had died, inheritance was not split equally. The oldest brother would get double what the younger brother would get. That's because inheritance wasn't simply money and property, but it was responsibility as well. There were, were businesses to look after and staff to pay and support. So the older brother had double to be able to do all of that. Also, you may know that to ask for inheritance when the father was still alive spoke quite a strong statement. You see, obviously other children had done this. Other children had been wayward. The younger son in this parable was not the first wayward child and he wouldn't be the last. Otherwise, those who were hearing this wouldn't have been able to relate to it. But there was something deeply spoken when you asked for inheritance when your dad was still alive. For you were, you were saying to your father and to his family and to the household and to the village where you lived, you were saying, you are dead to me. And moreover... The expected response from the father was to slap the son across the face, drive him out of the village as a sign that he was also dead to him. And in some instances, to even hold a funeral for the son who had disrespected you, and you drove out of the village. Everyone listening to this, listening to Jesus tell this story, they knew this. Maybe they had seen this happen when other wayward sons had asked for inheritance before the father was dead. And so, when Jesus said that the father agreed to his son's demands, they would have been shocked to the very core. They would have been audible gasps. You know when something happens so powerfully and in a group of people, and without warning, everybody just goes, <gasps> that would have happened as Jesus is telling this story. 
At this point in the story, what the people who were hearing it did not understand was that the Father was representing God. And here's the thing with the Father heart of God. He will never force a relationship upon us. Father God loves us so much that he will not stop us from acting out of our free will. Why? Because he knows that if he forces a relationship upon us, he knows we will be absent in our heart towards him. It's a bit like, if you want to stop two teenagers doing something, you don't try and stop them doing it. (laughs) Because the more as parents you try and force it upon them, the more they kick against you and go the other way. You always need to, to, to do a little bit of mind games and encourage it. Well, I'm not going to do what mum and dad want me to do, so they end up doing what you want them to do. You know? If God forces a relationship upon us, he knows it's not a true relationship. We're not robots. It, it's not like one of those, you know, you have to click, see all the, the zebra crossings to prove on some online thing that you're not a robot. God wants a relationship that's two-way. And so if he forces it upon us, he knows it's not real. And if the, the dad in this story had forced that upon his son, he knows that relationship wouldn't be real. The father in this parable, he doesn't want a marred relationship with his son. He doesn't want a forced and obligated relationship with his son. He loves him too much for that. You see, by agreeing and letting his son go, rather than cutting himself off from his son, he was showing that he actually loved his son more than the son ever stood. And as we read through the rest of the parable, we see that come to play. Because what he was doing by not forcing it, by not cutting him off, he was actually leaving the door open for his son to come back. Yes, he he had the power to disagree with his son, to stop him. He had the power to not give him his inheritance. He had the power to slap him across the face, drive him out and have a funeral, and never think of him again. Yet he did none of that. He agreed. And he gave him what the son asked, because he wanted to keep the door of love open to his son. He was actually showing powerfully that he loved his son so much. And the Father heart of God is shown to us by the truth that God, even though he knows what is best for us, even though he could have created us different, he created us with free will. God could have not done that. God could have created us that instantly we we will just fall in love with Jesus. We will instantly have this relationship with him. But he didn't. He chose to create us with free will, even when he knew that that could be destructive to us. You know, this young son, he didn't turn into a bad apple overnight. The father knew what he was going to do with the money. It was going to be wasted and he was going to lead a lifestyle that was sinful. He knew what his son was like. Yet he loved him so much that he let him go because he knew forcing him would have achieved nothing. And so we read on. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields 
to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Let's pause here again. Like me, I guess you've heard and read this story of umpteen times. And probably like me, when you get to that part where he says, I know what I'll do, because Dad's got a lot of dough, he's, he's got some houses, he, he's got lots of bedrooms, I'll go home to him. And, and I'll say I'm really, really sorry, and I'll just become a servant, because that's going to be better than what I am now. If you're like me, you're quite sceptic. And you say, he's not really sorry, he's just hungry. You know, when, when what you're feeding pigs looks like a, you know, a Michelin-starred meal, and you, you know you're really hungry. So we're thinking, he, he's just thinking how he can get to be more out of his dad. But yet, the more I read this story, I think there's, there's something deeper going on here that says otherwise. Think about it. Go back to the start of the parable when the younger son asked for his inheritance. Remember the culture of the day saw this as the son saying to his dad that he was dead to him. This is, this is not simply, I, I don't want anything to do with you. This is as powerful and literal as being dead to him. Do you know what? There is nothing more I'd like on today than to sit down with my dad and have a chat with him. To have a cup of coffee with him. To buy him a beer. To share my life with him. But I can't because he died in 1985. So he, he is literally physically dead. If the father was completely dead to the son, would he have referred to him as father? He wouldn't because, because he was dead to him. He, he might have said, I'll go back and speak to the man I used to know, the, the man who's quite wealthy, has lots of rooms in his house, money, food on the table, I'll, I'll see if this man will give me a job. Yet he says, I will return home to my father. <coughs> Excuse me. And I will say to my father. Friends, I think that's really significant. It's the answer to, to why did the father not force him to stay? Why did the, the dad not... Not, not slap him across the face and say, you're dead to me too. Because he allowed that, that door of restoration to true relationship to stay open. The senses that the son came to were, were a realisation that his father does love him, always has. And by letting him go and wasting all that money, he showed exactly how much he loved him. Because in the future, if the son comes back, that's also a free choice. Not forced upon him. He came back because he understood his father's heart of love. You see, God never forces us to stay with him if we don't want to. It's the irony that, that God loves us so much that he lets us go away from him if that's what we so choose. He doesn't like it. Knows it's not what's good for us. But he does it so that if then, like the prodigal son, we come back to him, we do so because in our hearts we've come to know him as father. And that his heart is a heart of love that we cannot live without that love. We need that love. 
So the son comes back because he knows he's not just a wealthy landowner, he knows this guy is his dad. And he loves him, so he comes back to him. The story continues. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and, and compassion. He, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I love that verse. I really love that verse. I love the fact that even though the son was still a long way off, his dad saw him coming. How? Because his dad never stopped looking and watching and waiting for him. You can imagine the other people in the village. Oh, look at that idiot. Look what his son did to him. And he stands there every day looking out across the field, looking out to see if his son's going to come back. He gets his coffee in, he sits on his porch, and he looks out there. He's wasting his life. You can imagine all the gossip going around in the village. He should have had a funeral for him when he went. But he didn't. He's an absolute fool. No, he's not. He loves his son. And he's kept this door of restored relationship open. And so every day he's looking out through there. He's looking, watching, and waiting for his son. That's what the heart of a father does. When our daughter, Kezia, first went to secondary school on a bus, she'd never been on a bus, and she went to this secondary school that wasn't in the the town where we were living when we were in Portsmouth. And the first day that she got on this bus, we had done some trial journeys with her, but she gets on this bus on her own, as her dad... I followed the bus. And some of you are nodding because you've done exactly the same thing. So don't judge me for it. I followed the bus. It was a big thing for her and for me. And so even though I wasn't with her, I wanted to make sure she was okay. I told her I was following the bus. I had Reuben on the front seat. He had my phone open with the tracking app on it. And he was going and following this bus where it was going. And when it did a turn in that I wasn't expecting it to go, my heart started going a lot quicker. And then he went, Kezia's got off the bus. I went, what? What do you mean she's got off the bus? Well, no, the school. Oh, no, sorry, it's just redirected itself. It's refreshed. She's still on the bus, Dad. She's still on the bus. I only did that for the first year. No, I only did that for the first day. But after that, I still tracked her. I made sure she sent me a text or called me to say she'd arrived at school. And when she was coming home, she would text to say the bus was leaving uh, and another to say she was walking home from the bus stop. Even here in Billericay, although she's never gone on a bus to school, she would text to say she was there and text to say she's leaving. It's, why did I ask her to do that? It's my way of watching for her and waiting for her. She's growing up. I know I can't, you know, when she's 45, I can't track her where she's going. Phone her, why aren't you home? And she's out with her own children. You know, I can't do that then. But even though she's not in preschool anymore, doesn't mean I don't watch and wait for her to come home. It's why Jen's dad infuriates us when he phones us and we're on a journey to ask how we're going. Or when he says to me, I'm a 52-year-old man, I've been driving for 38 years, and he still says to me, make sure you drive carefully, won't you? (laughs) No, Bob, I'm going to drive like an idiot and make sure we crash. (laughs) Why does he say it? Because he's watching 
and waiting for his daughter. She's my wife, but she'll always be his daughter. Friends, even when we walk away from God, even when we leave him, God never stops watching and waiting. Even though we may have walked away from him, Father God is still close by. Because he watches us and waits for us to return to him. And when he he sees us returning to him and his ways, he he turns around, he runs to us, he flings his arms around us, he covers us in kisses. We know in the parable the way the father reacted was completely against social norms for the day. For we know men didn't run and men didn't show signs of affection that way. Yet the father couldn't care less about social norms. This was his son. And when it comes to us, friends, God doesn't care about social norms either. For when we return to him and to his ways, he shows us his heart. He will engulf us with his heart. For the Father heart of God is one of love and he showers his love upon us. Let me ask you, do you feel the love of God being showered upon you? God engulfing you in kisses. And then the father heart of God is shown even further by the next part of the story. We read, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost but now he's found. So the party began. Wow, what a party that would have been. I'm sure the younger son felt so overwhelmed in a good way. He was expected to be treated as a slave at best. And yet he was the guest of honour of the party to celebrate him. You know, the calf they were fattening was always kept for really special occasions, maybe eaten at the Jewish festivals to celebrate what God has done for them. So the eating of this calf in this celebration was so significant. All of those hearing Jesus tell this story would have realised this, This is what God has done for them. That's why they're eating this special food. It represents as well what God has done for us in Jesus, that when we turn to Jesus, this huge celebration, it also points to the celebration we'll receive at the end of our days in heaven. It's a sign of the great feast that God will prepare for us. The sacrificing of this calf signifies the sacrifice that Jesus would make for all people to be able to celebrate a relationship with the Father. It wasn't just a nice bit of beef. This was the best, and it was reasons it was the best. And the son is given a robe, literally a covering. It symbolises Jesus covering our sins. It's a robe of righteousness. So after all the son has done, all that he's indulged in, here we see him being made clean. Then he's given a ring. It's not any old ring. It's a ring of identity. The Father is saying, you have always been mine and you are still mine. You are part of this family. And then he's given sandals for his feet. You see, when we read earlier on in this parable that he, he, he went to a farmer and he said, you know, can, can I get a job? And he takes him on and he feeds the pigs. We read that in our Western culture. But what he was doing, he was taking him on as a slave. And what they did, they used to remove the sandals from slaves so they couldn't run away. And so when the son comes back and his dad gives him sandals, he 
He's saying you're no longer a slave, but you're my son. And I'll have to sink in a minute. The son has run away from his dad. And immediately he's back, he's given the very tools that he could use to run away again. Do you see it? Yet, the father doesn't think of that. He's not bothered about that. He says, you're my son. I'm not keeping you as a slave. I'm keeping you as my son. And so when he gives him the sandals, he's given him back his freedom. He's given him forgiveness. He's given him uh, love. He's given him relationship. Because he's no longer a slave. He's his son. And I love that all of this happens, as the Bible tells us, quickly. There's no probation period. But immediately, all his wrongdoing is forgotten. He's given his freedom. He's given his free will back again. He's given his identity. He's given his righteousness. He's given it all immediately. He doesn't have to earn it. Friends, that is the Father heart of God. We are restored immediately. We are forgiven immediately. There's more to this story. I think we're going to leave it there. Time's gone. But I just want to ask you, do you see yourself in the story? I don't mean, are you wayward? I'm looking across the never. Not one of you would be wayward, I'm sure. Or have you been wayward? That's a conversation for coffee, I think. I don't want to ask you, are you the older brother? Who we haven't even got to this morning because time has gone. Are you someone from the neighbours who's curtain twitching and, and judging and thinking, why are they doing that? I don't mean any of that. What I mean is, do you accept the Father heart of God for you? Not as some nice biblical theme, but as a living, active, real part of your everyday life. In Jesus' wonderful prayer to Father God in John chapter 17, he says, when talking about us, He says that we will know, he says this, that you, that is the Father, sent me and loved them in the same way you love me. Friends, the Father heart of God is summed up in that verse that says that as Father, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. If that doesn't move you, if that doesn't get you in your heart, if that doesn't make you think, wow, well then please, tomorrow, phone your GP and check that you've got a heartbeat. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That is so mind-blowingly amazing. That's it, no further questions asked, nothing more needs to be said. That is the heart of Father God. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. The Father heart of God means that when we walk away from God or his plans for us, he still loves us as much as he loves Jesus, his own son. When that son walked away from the Father, the Father loved him as much as he loved the son that was doing all the good. He loved that son as much as he did the day he held him as a newborn baby. 
And so when we understand that, we understand why he was willing to let the son go, why he watched and waited for him, why he ran and threw himself upon him, why he immediately clothed him in righteousness, showed him his identity as his son, and at the same time gave him his freedom, even knew the son could, he knew the son could walk away again at any moment. It's why he celebrated what they were keeping for the next festival. He did all of that because that is the father heart of God. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And friends, this is the love that we need to know and it's the love that we need to show the world out there. For when we experience and know the Father heart of God, we see people differently and we love them differently, which in turn shows them Jesus and allows them to know the Father heart of God. I heard this week that someone a number of years ago made the decision, and I love this, to love whoever was in front of them until they asked them why. So they loved the addict. The person who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The person who always blocked their drive. The person whose language was pretty colourful to say the least. The people who let them down. The people who hurt them. The people who judged them. They would simply love whoever was in front of them. And when they asked them why they loved them, then they would tell them about Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And then people would see and experience the Father heart of God. Because you see, if we know the Father heart of God, the worst thing we can do is keep it to ourselves. The reason we know the Father heart of God is so we can show other people the Father heart of God so they experience the Father heart of God for themselves. It's wonderful. We, because we are loved, we do not deserve it. All we need to do is to love whoever is in front of us until they ask us why. Friends, may we know the Father heart of God. May we receive the Father heart of God. And then may we show that to others until they ask us why. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for this parable. Father, a parable spoken over 2,000 years ago, but again, like much of your word could have been spoken about today. Father, thank you that in it we see your heart. We see your, your heart never leaves us. Your heart is always for us. Your heart loves us with a love that we, we, we often fail to understand or comprehend. Your heart loves us with a love that we're sorry but we've often abused. Father, we want to say sorry. We want to be like the prodigal son. And we may not have uh, taken a load of cash and ran away and got involved in sinful living, but in our heart, we've walked away from you. And so, Father, we want to come back. We want to come back and we just want to experience your love for us like never before. Father, me and have been walking with you for 70 plus years. But we still want to know more of your heart. So show us more of your heart this morning. And Father, give us a deep love in our heart that just causes us to, in turn, love those that are in front of us. Until they ask us why. And when they ask us why, we say it's because of Father God. It's because of what he did for us. It's because of Jesus. 
And because of that love, you can live in the power of the Spirit and your life can be transformed. So Father, this way, may we know your love and may we love whoever we come in, who happens to be in front of us. Forgive us when we touch. Forgive us when we act not in a way that's becoming of a child of God. And so today, like the prodigal, immediately, quick, the Bible tells us, maybe start afresh and start again. But maybe walk with you all the days of our lives. Bless you, Father. Amen.